Our scripture reading this morning is from Malachi chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. And our message today is entitled, Future Grace. This is the Lord's word. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree, with a decree of utter destruction. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. I would love for you to just look around you one more time and just say hello to each other. The goodness of God endures forever. God himself in his character is infinite. He is above and beyond time. He always existed and always will. It is a mystery, but an awesome mystery. We will never know completely or fully who he is, even when we see him face to face. But we praise our God, for he revealed unto us enough that we may know that he is good that he is just, that he loves truth, but in the midst of the truth, he speaks to us in ways and manners that we can hear and understand. God will always be, always has been, the center of all being, all truth, all meaning. What a privilege for you and I to know that that God made you, you, each and every one of you. And that he did so out of his good pleasure, not to torment you, not to test you, not to play with you, but to love you. God wants us to do two things always as we walk with him. To look at our past, to live in that present, well, three things, to live in our present and to look to the future. The past is important to us because when we look at the past, we see God's goodness and God's faithfulness unto us. Now, for some of us, we may look in the past and we see our own unfaithfulness. We see our own mistrust in God we see that we have not been faithful to his commands and to his desires for our hearts. 
But all I need to say to you is, you're here today, aren't you not? God has been faithful to you, although we've been faithless to him. Or perhaps there are times, and you've seen this, that you have been faithful to God. And then you look back and you recall, I wasn't really faithful. I was just at church because there was a cute guy who came to church as well. But even in the midst of your struggles to come to church or to be faithful to God, you thank him. Lord, I know my motives aren't pure, but the faith that you gave me to follow you, I'm thankful. For even that faith like a mustard seed, you've allowed me to see your grace and to see your mercy. God always wants us to keep a record of his goodness to us. God always wants us to look back and reinterpret what has happened in our lives according to his word and according to the measure of faith that he continues to reveal in you. Your testimony will change day to day, month to month, year to year as you grow in your understanding of his love. And God wants you to continually, can I say it this way, Update your software. Update your understanding of who God is. This enables you to, to live for future grace as well. Surely God will be faithful to me tomorrow, for he's been faithful to me yesterday. Surely there's something waiting for me days, months, even years beyond where the Lord will reveal himself in ways that I can't even imagine. For some of you here, you will have children for the first time. What will that look like? For some of you, you're starting college and you're wondering, college is a lot different than I thought it was going to be. But wherever you may be, we do not go into this life with trepidation but with eagerness. All right, God. What do you have waiting for me? This passage in Malachi, this last section in this reading of the prophet, is simply a reiteration of that to the people of Israel. And it's a pattern that we see in Scripture over and over and over again. To look to the past, eagerly expect the future, to simply obey in the present unto the Lord. Remember Malachi as a prophet is telling the people of Israel that you have failed to obey the God who loves you. And the people of God, the Israelites, were living a life of self-deception. 
living a life of redefining what it means to be spiritual unto the Lord. They've given the Lord half-hearted worship. They didn't worship with all their heart, soul, or mind. In terms of their giving, their time, and, and their finances, their energy, they weren't giving everything unto the Lord, but they were hoarding, thinking that the Lord is not good unto them. They failed to love the people of God because the people of God just, they didn't seem like to be the best people to be around. <laughs> they weren't the cream of the crop. They weren't the, 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 the ones who were ruling the Middle East. And so they ran after other gods. They married other people because they didn't believe that God was good. And this self-deception amongst the Israelites, God, through Malachi, called them out on it. And the people of God, as they heard, you can imagine, there will be some who accept it, repent, and turn and walk towards the Lord. And there will be others who hear it and say, I don't need this. My life is my life, God. And I will give you according to what I want to give you. And Malachi's rebuke to all of them is simply, don't you understand how much God has loved you and given to you? Remember the, the first disputation, the first rebuke, about the Israelites die, doubting God's love for them. Basically, it's, it's like someone saying to their spouse or saying to their parents, do you love me? And God says to them, of course I love you. I loved you before you were born. I loved you before there was a thought in this world. And I will love you until all of eternity. How can you not say that I love you? And as we get to the end of this passage, the end of the prophet Malachi, we see Malachi in this sort of addendum, sort of wrap it all up and give us an understanding of what it means to be faithful to God or, or how it is that we could stay in his will. Look at verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Remember the law, the Torah of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. What does God want us to do? What did God want Israel to do? God wanted Israel to look back. Look back at where? At the time when Moses himself received the law, the Ten Commandments. The time that when God revealed his name unto him, I am who I am. The time when God basically said to Israel, you are my son. I have called you out of Egypt. The time when God says to him, you are my, I am your God. You are my people. It is the time when Israel as a nation, 
began to have this, this self-actualization, if I can say that word, that they belong to God himself. A kind of marriage between God and his people. Remember when God gave him the law. God gave the law, but before he did, he said unto them, remember, I am the one who brought you out of Egypt. I am the one who saved you. I am the one who loved you. God did not say to them in Egypt, here, I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments in Egypt. Follow those Ten Commandments, then I'll rescue you. Right? We didn't do that. He rescued them first. And what did the Ten Commandments do? At the very least, the Ten Commandments reveal to the people of God the character of God, of who He is. He is holy. He deserves all worship and praise. We are to have no other gods before Him. We are not to make uh, any image of Him to worship because God is not an image. God is a spirit. God is everywhere. God is to be worshipped as something other than ourselves. God desires us to, to keep the Sabbath day holy. Why? Why are we here? Because we would say to the world and we say to ourselves, the world cannot define us. But the world cannot press their agenda on us because only God has our lives in his hand, not our professors, not our, not our bosses, not even our own desires, but only God. God reveals himself even further and says, listen, this is how you're to love one another. Children, obey your parents unto the Lord. Don't steal. Don't lie. Be faithful to one another. And as we hear that, the, the people of God realize that the God who saved them, that his character is one of goodness, holiness, and love. He wants us to look back and remember who God is and what He has done. You see, in, in our world today, you know, if you give anyone the, the law and the statutes, the Ten Commandments, and even some of the laws we see in Numbers and Deuteronomy, most people will look at that and say, that is wonderful, wonderful stuff. If we simply follow the Ten Commandments, we would have a better society. If we follow the Ten Commandments, we would have a, a, a morality that would help people to flourish. Don't steal? Yeah, let's not steal. Don't covet? Yeah, let's, let's not do that. But what this world fails to do is that they separate the law from the one who has given the law from the one who has created the law to the one who actually is not only the law, but the one who loves and the one who saves. To remember the Torah, to remember that God has revealed himself. But as he looks back, 
we see that it's a continuity from the Torah because he says that the prophets themselves, like Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the last prophet in this time, this age, that all the way from the time of the law to the time of the prophet, there has been a continuity of God revealing himself to his people over and over and over again. And the people of Israel need to recognize and see that the same God who loved them and saved them in Mount Horeb is the same God who's going to send a prophet, an Elijah, to bring about salvation from destruction. It's the same God who's never changed. But a God whose wisdom in understanding the arc of human history, the arc of salvific history, knows at when and what time he should reveal certain things of himself to his people, that they may receive it with joy and with perfect understanding of God's goodness. So here are the people. They're worshiping God or half-heartedly worshiping God. They have come out of exile. They build Jerusalem and build this new temple unto the Lord. The new temple looks pretty shabby. (laughs) People are worshiping half-heartedly. And God says to them, remember the Torah. And remember this. There will be a judgment day. there will be an accounting of all of you of whether or not you have remained in my word and remained in my will. I will judge you according to how you've worshipped me, how you've loved me, how you loved God's people, how you've treated the stranger. And when I see you as God's people, we all deserve judgment. This is what it says in end of verse 6. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of what? Other destruction. It's the holiness of God being outpoured upon a world, upon a people, his own people who have disobeyed him. And yet, if we look at this passage and we look at history, what do we see God doing? God always saves, but he always saves according to his own requirements of holiness. When God himself saved the people out of Israel, all the way till this time, you may look at that history and you'll see that there's salvation, judgment. Salvation, judgment. Salvation, judgment. They go hand in hand. 
Not all of Israel was Israel. Generation perished in the wilderness. Under King David, generations of people were sent to judgment. And even now, the question is, how can we be saved? We keep going back to remembering the law, but we can't keep the law. How can we be, how can we be saved? God, your hand has to come and rescue us. And so what does this passage look forward to? It looks for the new prophet Elijah who was to come. But this prophet would be different. This prophet isn't the Elijah that we see in Kings. This prophet, as the New Testament teaches us, as Jesus himself says to, us, to the people, if you can accept it, the prophet that Malachi himself was speaking of is John the Baptist. And this John the Baptist came preaching a gospel. The kingdom of God is at, is at hand. Repent and believe. This John the Baptist and what he was saying was preparing the way for the, for the Messiah that was to come. This message would have been heard by the people of Israel and they themselves are, are hearing this, this message that we need to repent. We need to remember. But there's an other sense of, are we going to go in circles over and over and over again? I'm going to do my best to follow God, and then I'm going to mess up, and there's going to be judgment. I'm going to have half-hearted worship, and then I need God to come again. He comes again, and, you know, it, it just gets tiresome. And maybe some of you in your own faith feel like you're on a hamster wheel. You're trying to follow God. And you have those moments where you, you think you are. And then those moments sort of just pass away. And you just get tired. John the Baptist is coming to prepare something that was greater than anything that we saw in the Old Testament. Because he was preparing the way for all of you to see the misery of this world and the misery of your own sin. Let me say this carefully. It's okay to look in your hearts to see how miserable you are. But only if you had the courage by God's grace to see the heights of how he has come to save you. If you simply look at the misery of your sin and the misery of your life without looking to the God who saves you, oh Christian, you are to be the most pitied of all people in this world. But you who know your misery, there is a gospel that has come to you. 
because John the Baptist in his preaching and his teaching was preparing the way. Repent and believe. Look unto your misery. Why? Because there will be a Messiah that you've been waiting for. The perfect prophet who will speak only true words. The perfect priest who will offer his own life unto you. The perfect king who will rule over your life and, and sovereignly plan your life out for his glory and for your goodness. And that person was Jesus of Nazareth himself. Unlike anyone in the Old Testament, unlike anyone in all of redemptive history, this Jesus came to solve all the issues and all the problems of Israel and their worship. Think about the disputations. Do you love me? Jesus loved God perfectly. You're not worshiping me. Your leaders aren't doing a good job. Jesus worshiped God perfectly. You're not faithful to one another. Jesus was faithful to all perfectly. And in so doing, he was the perfect Israel. He was the only Israel to follow the Lord perfectly. And in so doing, God was pleased with Jesus, his son, this Messiah. And you, when you repent and believe, you're not trusting in yourself. Oh, please, don't trust in yourself. You will, you will fall on your face. But as we say, Jesus will come to you. And Jesus says to you, trust in me. Trust in my perfection, that I love our God perfectly. Trust in my perfection, that I've worshipped God perfectly. Trust in my perfection, that I've died for your sins perfectly. Trust in my perfection, that I have followed the law perfectly. Trust in my perfection, that the Lord is, that the Father is pleased with me. And I am pleased to give unto you who believe that righteousness. That you may worship him. Not, not in works. Not by your own feelings. Not by your own accomplishments. But you may worship him how? In spirit. Jesus' accomplishments. God's spirit unto you. And truth. not by our own perceptions of religion, not by our own ways that we, we, we twist Christianity to make ourselves feel righteous. And when you make yourself feel righteous, that means you've set yourself up to feel unrighteous and guilty as well. But Malachi was looking for the day where no longer would a prophet be needed to preach these words. Christ is the final and last word unto you and unto me. We live in a momentous time in redemptive history. We do not live in the time of the Old Testament. 
We live in a time after Christ has, has come, has lived, has died, resurrected. We live in a time when the Holy Spirit now lives in us. But we're united with Christ and all the things that he has done for us. That we can call unto him and God receives our worship, not based on how we're doing, but upon our faith in Jesus himself. And we live in the time where that same spirit who allows us to trust in God allows us to move forward in obedience to him. Even when our motives are, are not pure, because our motives will never be pure, we do it out of faith. Knowing that as we do so, God reveals more of his grace and love to us that we, we would never have never experience if we tried to follow God out of our own desires. See, your history is greater than the history of the people during the time of Malachi. God said to them, look at the law. That was the greatest point of redemptive history for them. That was the best thing in their lives. You know, I think about when I was growing up and the Boston Red Sox was the laughing stock of all of Major League Baseball. They never won anything. They were terrible. The New England Patriots before Tom Brady, they were terrible. Their history was absolutely terrible. Boston people were the most miserable sports people you, you could ever be around. And now, they're insufferable because their teams were good. They, they won World Series. They, they, they won Super Bowls. Their history changed. Their past changed. The way they viewed themselves changed. You do not live in the time of Malachi where all you can look back to is simply the great time of, I mean, this is a great time when God reveals himself through the law. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You can look back to the cross and see that God's ultimate victory. You live today in a time where the Holy Spirit lives in you and beckons you to come to him, beckons you to read his word, beckons you to pray. You do not need to go to some temple and make a pilgrimage to, to see God's presence. God's presence is in you and amongst us. And we live, we must live, brothers and sisters, with joy, with humility, but ultimately with confidence in God and who he is and what he's done. Oh, Christian, brothers and sisters, Live the life that God has purchased for you. But there's one more present, is there not? One more gift that God is willing to give to you. And you should be eagerly expecting this like a little kid for Christmas. We have this huge, huge history of what God has already done. And we know that God will be faithful in our lives here today. 
but in this complex that we call the, the salvation in, in Jesus, the work of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. There's one more event in this complex that we're waiting for, and that's his return. The ministry of Jesus is not yet complete. He is waiting to return on that day for that final wedding between the bridegroom and his church, the bride, where together we will live forever and ever with our God in perfection and in love. We still have a future. We still have more to look forward to. And if God has given us this much already, right? Unimaginable of what the new earth and the new heavens will look like. Unimaginable. What we like to live with Christ and with one another forever and ever. Unimaginable. But if you come to the Bible study afterwards, I'll give you a hint of what that looks like. Unimaginable. But God is working in history. And God is working in you. Praise be to our babies. But brothers and sisters in Christ, look to your past. Write a journal. Sit and reflect upon all the good things that God has done. And then write in your book, God has been faithful yesterday. God will be faithful today. And God will be faithful forevermore. Praise unto him. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, there is truly nobody like you. We confess that we are people who over and over again forget our history. We forget the history, Lord, of how you have revealed yourself from the beginning of time and how you will reveal yourself until the end of time. But we've also forgotten our own personal histories, Lord God, of how you've been faithful to us and how you have called us to you. And how you have, Lord, called us sons and daughters unto you. Lord, we, we, we repent, as John the Baptist told us to. And Lord, we do not trust in our own abilities to change. But we ask, Lord, you forgive us because of our Savior, Jesus. We ask you not to look at our sins, but look at Jesus who died for our sins. 
And as we do so, Lord God, we know that not only will you forgive, but that same Jesus who saves us is the same Jesus who adopts us as sons and daughters. It's the same Jesus through his work who, who will continue to make us holy. It's that same Jesus through his work, Lord, that, that one day, Lord, will glorify us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you and your benefits are, are not disparate, Lord, but they're whole. So, Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us, Lord, and renew unto us, as David says, the joy of our salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.